Well, good morning, church. We are glad you are here today. As you can see, we are starting a new series on Book of Prayers. And I, I believe that God is going to do some amazing things over these next 21 days. And it's not necessarily like a wish list type of prayer that we are going to be teaching. What it's going to be more about is how can we get closer to him? And so my prayer is that God will do something in your life differently than he's already done. To where you guys can even take more steps closer to him. And one of the things that we are going to be doing is we are going to be focusing on some prayers throughout God's word. And so today, are you ready for God's word? All right. Well, right now we're going to kind of go to another Another hill site, okay? We were on one hill, which was serving. Now we're going to go and kind of feed on what God wants us to, to learn, what God wants to do. And I believe that God is going to draw us closer to him during this time. And so that's what we are going to do in the month of August, all right? And this is not just for us to say, oh, feed me, feed me, feed me. But what it is, is for us to be fed so that we can go reach our community more and have more of an impact here in St. George, Utah. It says, this is going to be our theme verse for the next um, four weeks in Ephesians 6.18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer, prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. I want us to have this pray, pray first mentality. How many of us, how many of us don't? How many of us kind of backload it, God, into our lives after we've made all the decisions, we've done this, and we're like, oh, God, now I need your help. How many of us do that? Only three. Wow. Okay. I'm not holy either. Okay, <laughs> what would I like to do though through this, this series is to teach you that there are different styles, there are different ways, there are different kind of um, patterns of prayers that we see throughout the Bible. Jesus had a way of praying. He taught the disciples. The disciples were like, hey, teach me, teach me, teach me. And then you see the Lord's prayer come about. And you see that he teaches them how to pray there. And if you are like me, prayer is a discipline. And it's a hard discipline for me. As I just said, I'm one that sometimes reacts before I pray. And so I ask that through this time, that through these times, that you guys will take some of this and help your prayer life. And help you guys grow to get closer to God. See, I can remember growing up in, 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 in the school I, or the church I was at. I was at a Baptist church. Um, and nothing is wrong with Baptists. So I just used Baptist because I was there. Okay? I grew up in that kind of church. All right? But I remember in Sunday school, they would say, all right, everybody get up. Let's circle up. Now let's hold hands. And I'm going to start. That's what the teacher would say. And once I'm done, I'm going to squeeze the hand of the next person and we're going to go in that, around that, in that way and then you just keep squeezing all the way around. 
I don't know if you've ever been in that type of circle prayer, but I know that I was intimidated because what would happen is I would have this thing in my mind and then I would be like, oh, someone already said it, darn it. And then I'd be like, it's my turn. Oh, squeeze, squeeze. Yep, and it would pass right over me and I would go, I would go on and I, would, I wouldn't say a word. And I can remember that. And I liked that prayer so much that when I became a youth pastor, I actually tortured my students in the youth ministry. Hey, this is the way we're going to pray. And they would be like, uh, I don't, uh, like, and so, so it's like, there's nothing wrong with that type of prayer. It just always came to me and I was always like, mine was already said. So the thing, the thing that I want to do and I hope that we can do is to debunk prayers, the, the idea of, of, of what prayer is today and through this series. I hope to help out with giving you some fresh new air on prayer so that you can take something, walk away with it, and apply it. One of my favorite ways to pray that I've had to learn in the last six to seven years um, and, and I learned this at the church that we were a part of in Florida. And, and this is what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it. Uh, today's title is the prayer of Moses. Okay. Um, it's also known as the tabernacle prayer. But, but it's a way that I pray a lot. It's a way that, that I take what, what I need and this is the way, this is the steps that I pray so that my prayer life is even better. So prayer came out of Moses' life when he was walking and saving 4 million Israelites. He was taking them from Egypt to, to the promised land. Now, if you looked on my hand, Egypt would be like down over here. The promised land would be over here. Now, in normal life and normal walk, it would have taken about four to maybe four months to maybe a year at tops. But it just so happened it took the Israelites 40 years to do this trip. And so during these days, God dwelled among them though in a building. And that building was called the tabernacle. But God wanted them to build the temple, but he didn't want them to build it too early. And that was supposed to be done in the promised land. But today we're going to talk about the tabernacle. Today we're going to talk about God, how he dwelt in buildings back then, but now he dwells from the New Testament in Jesus dying on the cross in us. He dwells in each of us. You see, you are a sanctuary. You are a sanctuary. He wants to live inside of each of us. In those days, he wrote the laws on, ta on the tablets. Today, he wants to etch the laws inside of our heart. And so he wants you and I to have him live inside of each and every one of us. That's what he wants. But back then, remember, the mission was to get to the promised land. So they had to figure out how they were going to do that, and God gave them specific directions. But this is what, this is what it happened. Forty years, they had 40 years to get to the promised land, and they set up this tabernacle, which tabernacle, as it means, is portable church. So right now you are in a portable tabernacle, a portable church. That's what it was. 
So Exodus 25, 8 through 9 says this, Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them, which God wants to do inside of you, as I've said already. You must build this tabernacle in its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. The pattern can serve as some steps or pattern for us today in our prayer life. Now, I'm going to have some pictures on the screen, and I'm going to show you some things. But this is what they believe the tabernacle, this whole process, looked like. Okay? So you had a tent, which had no cover. And then you had a smaller tent on the inside, which was covered. All right, so there are parts here that we're going to walk through, and we're going to start from outside and walk through those gates that you see this guy down here about to do, okay? And that's what we are going to do today. Now, some of you probably have seen the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Some of you might not be that old like I am, but, but you have probably seen the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, they probably did a good job of reenactment what the Ark of the Covenant probably looked like during those times. But that was actually, if you look at this, if you look at this picture, it was all the way in the back. And you can see that big box in the back. That was the Ark of the Covenant. Okay? So we are going to see that this is where God actually dwelt during that time. And that's what we're going to talk about. So this was the pattern to get to God. So it says this in Exodus 33:11. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Stare at these words, though. Because I think if you knew God was there and you were hearing from him, your prayer life would look different. Wouldn't it? Because a lot of times when I've talked to people or even myself, I say God's not listening. And so I kind of push the prayer back and I push it back further in my walk. So I need you to know if, if, if I can help you or we can help you take a step to walking closer with God in your prayer life, would you love to pray more? Would you? That's a question that only you can answer. But this is what Jesus says. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. You see, the law isn't there, but the meaning still is. I think we can take everything in the Old Testament that was made law, and we can find the meaning behind it and the fulfillment in it. This is one of the ways I pray. I was taught about six years ago, as I was saying before. The first thing that would happen would be they would have to come in from the outside to the inside. And they would have to go to this place called the outer court. And this is where they would give God thanks. Okay? They had one thing in mind, and that was just to give God thanks. Before you give God your to-do list or your, um, before, before you tell him what people that he needs to touch because you are having an issue that week with them, you know, before you tell him what you want, you need to thank him for everything that you have. You know, gratitude turns what you have into enough. Let me repeat that. 
Gratitude turns what you have into enough. This is one of the healthiest emotions you can have is gratitude. To be thankful for what you have. You know, I've had a friend um, staying with us this last couple of weeks and he's been telling me, Brian, I know you want to do this to your house and I know you want to get new flooring, but Brian, be thankful for what you have. Be thankful that you have a roof to sleep under. Be thankful for this or that. It's like saying, you know, Lord, if you, if you do nothing else in my life, you've already done enough. God, if you've done nothing else, you've saved me, and that is enough. I need to thank you before I do anything. Look at what Psalm 104 says. Enter his gates which I would say, enter your prayer time with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. The next place you would come to is the brazen altar. The brazen altar always had dead animals, blood, flesh on top of it. It smelled like death. And you had to walk by this. You needed to be reminded when you go to God, something had to die for that to happen for you to be able to go to him. And this is where we need to focus on the cross. The brazen altar is focusing on the cross for us. The only reason I had the right to go face to face with God the Father is because what Jesus did on that cross. The Bible says that not only can you and I go to God, but we can approach God boldly and with confidence because of what Jesus did on the cross. We need to remember the cross. We need to remember what happened up on that cross. When we utterly helpless, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at Jesus Uh, at just the right time, and died for sinners. That was for us. That was for you. That was for me. You know, there were four major wounds that are talked about in the Bible regarding what happened up on that cross. Number one, he was whipped. Number two, he had the crown of thorns. Number three, he had nails in his hands and feet. And number four, he was speared in the heart. Prophetically, hundreds of years earlier, Isaiah talked about these wounds. And when we talk about this verse, I kind of want to pick it apart so that you can understand a little bit more and deeper what Isaiah was referring to. But he was pierced. His hands and feet were pierced. There were holes put in his hands and feet for you and I. These were for our transgressions. A transgression is where you went too far. You did something more than what you were supposed to do. Hands and feet represent the things we do. Right? He took the pain in his hands and feet for everything that your hands and feet have done or will do. And then it goes on to say he was crushed. The spear in his heart for our iniquities. 
Different from transgressions, transgressions is what you did, iniquity is who you are. It's what is on the inside. He did this for taking on who we are without him. So technically, when we are on this earth, we are without him until we take that statement and say, God, we believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And so Jesus took that on upon him and his heart was crushed. Just think about that for a minute. God took that from you so that you would never have to experience that feeling. And then it goes on to say the punishment that brought us peace, the crown of thorns. So why is that the punishment that brought us peace? Well, it's pain in the brain, right? It gives us peace. Fear, worry, all happen here. All of that happens here. But you put those crowns of thorns on, Jesus took that pain so that we wouldn't have to experience that. He took that worry and fear so that we wouldn't have to experience that. And he took that so that we didn't have to take it in our head. But how many times do we bring it to our forefront of our head? And it says, was on him and by his wounds, his stripes on his back, we are healed. Not just from disease, though, but from diseased, okay? My relationships, my emotions, my marriage, you know, all of these things are taken care of because of what Jesus went through, the punishment that he went through. And that is what we are to remember as we are at the brazen altar. But before we get in there and thank him and remember what was done for you and me, we need to be thanking God and then remembering what happened on that cross. And then we go to this thing called the laver. The laver. This is what it looked like. It was made out of a mirror in the bottom to look at yourself so that you can clean up before God. So that you can put water on and you could get cleaner. This was a place where we, needed, we need to offer every part of our life to God. This is where I talk to God about myself. And this is how I do this. And sometimes you will see me down here before I come up here. I will pray and I will say, God, this is my head that likes to think a lot. I ask you to control my mind, will, and emotions. And I ask you. To, to fill it with your knowledge and your wisdom. And then I say, God, this is, these are my eyes. And I know that there are things in my eyes that I should not be seeing. And God, I just ask for, for your protection and I pray for your guarded, you, you to guard my eyes so that I do not see the things that I'm not meant to see, but I see the things that you want me to see. God, these are my ears. God, I know that you are talking to me, but there is someone in this world that is trying to talk to me as well. And I ask that you will take him, the devil, out of my head, out of my ears, so that I can hear you more and more on a daily basis. And then I will come to this part, which is very troublesome to me sometimes. And that is my mouth. And I will ask him to allow me to say the things that I need to say, The things that are uplifting, not something that's going to kill someone. Not something that's going to bring someone down. 
But it's going to be uplifting. And God, allow me to say and speak what your spirit wants someone to hear. And then I pray over my hands and my feet. And I say, okay, God, these are my hands and my feet. They are meant for your work here on this earth. What am I to do with my hands and my feet? God, give me the opportunity to serve you today. And that's what I do. In Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, as we've come through that part, we've come through the outer gates, we've passed the brazen altar, we've gone to the laver, now it's time to go inside to the smaller tent. The smaller tent consisted of four pieces of furniture, three in the first room and one in the second. The first three pieces of furniture, number one was the candlestick. This was seven-pronged. It represented fire. It represented power. It represented anointing. It represented gifts. It represents the Holy Spirit. This is where I invite the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. This is where I say, all right, I need you to flame your fire inside of me. I need you to burn inside of me. God, I have some gifts. I'm a leader I'm a teacher. God, I'm trying to lead the Springs Church. God, flame this fire that's inside of me to burn even brighter so that people can see you even more. Please lead me, direct me, help me learn the things I don't know about leading a church because this isn't easy. And that's what I will pray. Holy Spirit, use me. Use my gifts for you. Do not use my gifts for me, but for you. And then I look at 2 Timothy, and this is what it says in uh, 1, 6-7. This is why I reminded you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. See, you all have spiritual gifts. Rather, if you use them or not, you have spiritual gift. Whether you are a Christian or not, God has gifted you. He has a calling for each of us. But you know... You and I need that flame inside of us to burn and blow and to be flamed, to to be fanned. And we need to have that continuing flame inside of us. And that's what Holy Spirit does for us. This is why I pray, Holy Spirit flame, just a light, ignite, and keep it burning for me. This is the fire inside of me. Why? Because for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. And then, as you walk through, you just, you've gone past the candlestick, you would come to this table. This table would have amazing smelling bread, and there would be 12 of them, 12 loaves, representing the 12 t- tribes. And this is the table of the showbread. And this is this is, I mean, I'm not really a bread fan, but I know my dad is. And I bet you, like, I mean, fresh baked, fresh baked bread. So that aroma, that, that smell is going to be there. And this represents God's word. 
It represents what God's word is for us. So what we need to do is claim the promises that are in God's word. We need to stop and focus on a verse or a Bible plan that we have. So that's why we have provided some things for you during this 21 days of prayer. Of prayer, So that you can just go to our website and you can find it. Okay, okay these are questions. These are, these are things that God is wanting me to do. This, here's a verse. Because I will let you know that Matthew, Jesus said this. He answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you eat every day? No? Who eats every day? Okay, well, you should eat every day because we need to eat every day. We need to eat from his word. If it's just a verse, we need to read it. If it's just... Whatever it may be, it may be your Bible plan, it may be some long one-year Bible plan as well. Whatever it may be, you need to study his word because that's what you need to survive. You need it. Just like you need the food that you put in your mouth to physically eat, you need his spiritual food to get through life. Feed on God's word. Thank him for it. Submit to it. Don't allow culture to be your standard. I'm going to have his word as my standard. Instead of living over here where culture is defining my standard. I'm going to focus on what he says, his promises, his life, what he did, who he is. And that's what I'm going to do. So then Here in the last piece of furniture in this room, before we step in to see who God is face to face, you would come to this place called the altar of incense. The altar of incense. And it's tall. It it stood about this tall and there was incense burning. There was this nice aroma. might be like, you know, essentials oil or, or Bed Bath & Beyond. Or for me, like when I would go to Walt Disney World and go to the Contemporary Resort, like this green, green clove and aloe smell. It was, it was that fresh smell, that, 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 that life, that incense. It was heated by the coals from the outside altar. It smelled good. You know, you know what God's sweet smell is, though? The incense to him was worshiping his name. You and I worshiping his name. Worship is different than praise. When you worship him, you worship him for who he is. If I had nothing, you were still worthy. It's, it's, it's about your worth, God. It's not about mine. It's about who you are. And then it says, come and let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. A man on his face can't fall from this position. You need to know It says kneel for a reason. It says that for a reason. I would say this. It would be great to call out all of his names. All the names of the Lord. A a person's worth 
is found in their name. God's worth is found in his name. Think about the names of God. Call on his name. Look at what Proverbs says. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. God's name, righteous, peace, defender, guider, shepherd. At this point, then you would go through that last curtain that was torn by Jesus as he died on that cross. And you would see the Ark of the Covenant. Back then, you would, the, it would not have been torn, but Moses would have seen the Ark of the Covenant. It looked like this, and if you look, there, there, there are cherubim on there, two, two angels on there with their wings pointing towards the middle. And the middle is known as the mercy seat. And this is where God dwelled. He was fired by night, cloud by day. And when, when you would see this, there would be a fire in between on the mercy seat. And Moses would then go and talk to him. And he, he, would, he would communicate with him. This is where God dwelt, right between the wings. Right between those wings. During that time, this is where God dwelt. It was a cloud of fire. So we're, we get here, and what do we do when we come to this place? Because, you know, we've already, we've already thanked him. We've already praised him. We've, we've already remembered what Jesus did on that cross. We, we've talked to the Holy Spirit about doing things um, and flame, flaming inside of us. And not only that, we've, we've gone to the labor. We've cleaned up. We've prayed. We've asked God to protect our, our bodies and things of that nature. What do you do? When you come face to face with God, we should intercede for others. The Ark of the Covenant would represent us interceding for others because that's what Moses would do. He would go and he would pray for the people. The people that God asked him to lead out of Egypt. And I encourage you guys to pray for these people. Guys, there's not a day that I don't go by that, that goes by without me praying for the Springs Church. And each and every one of you that are here, I pray for marriages, kids, finances, health, healing, things that everybody needs. On your behalf, I go as an attorney and I plead to God for you, for my family, for those that have not found Jesus yet. Every day, I do that. We need to start with authority because the Bible says this. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all those in authority that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Guys, I go and I pray for you. I pray for President Trump. I pray for the governor, Gary Herbert. I pray for Ken Nielsen, John Pike, Rick Rosenberg, um, Chris Hart, who are the mayors of our local cities. I pray for church leaders that are all around. I pray for our overseers and our leaders and our trustees of our church.
That's what I go and do. You see, you're looking at a man who is in authority, but who is also under authority. And I go and pray for everyone who is in authority over me because I believe they need prayer just as much as I do. I pray for my dad. What he's done, my mom's gone on to be with the Lord already. And I pray for him and I pray for just the thankful thankfulness of the upbringing and just pray for health and continuing to pray for, for his life. And, and this is what I do, church. You don't need to understand Moses's life. You don't need to understand all about the tabernacle. You just need to know the phrases that I just shared with you. I just gave you and walked through this church, walked through this this week. I encourage you to take each of those and walk through the week. Now, there's going to be something online that's going to be a book. You can download that. You can read it. There are 11 different styles of prayer. This is just one of them. Again, our heart is that you grow closer to him. Why? Because prayer should be our first response not our last resort. That's why. Church, this prayer and others are going to be there on the website. My prayer and my dream and my hope is that you draw closer to him through each of these. You learn which one fits you best and you pray it. You read, you look, you say, okay, God, look, this is the devotion today. This is... I'm reading this prayer, this style of prayer. You will see what we just went through. You will see the tabernacle prayer. You will see the prayer of Jabez. You will see the different styles of prayer on there. It's all so that we each can grow closer and step closer to God one step at a time. Because church, where we're at, what we are doing is not a physical thing. It is a spiritual battle. You and I are here to be a part of that spiritual battle. We are here. God planted us here to be a part of that spiritual battle. Now, we know the winning outcome. We won. But God has asked us to go and do something. And guess where that starts? In prayer. Each and every one of us should be down on our hands and feet and hands or knees and praying, God, you need to tra- change the dryness here. You need to bring the rain. Father, bring the rain so that people can know truly who you are here in St. George and Washington County. Could you imagine a place where there's no masks, there's peace, And everybody is out to love one another. Not because I have to, to get further somewhere, but because I want to and I desire to because I love Jesus. Can you imagine what that church looks like? That's the church that he showed me when we came here. That's the church that he said the springs is going to be. We are named after water for a reason. The tide is named after water for a reason. 
because we know that the living water only comes through Jesus Christ. That's it. And that's what we want to bring this community. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your example through what you gave Moses to communicate with you on a, on, on a deeper level. And God, I just pray that we can take something away today to become even closer to you through our prayer life. Father, prayer is not an easy thing. We normally put it on the back burner and we try to, to backload you into a help, helpful prayer, prayer, God, because we are helpless. Father, I pray that it can be the forefront of our life. That we can pray first so that the decisions that we make will be your decisions for us. The guidance, the wisdom, all of that will be because we come to you first, not last. Father, I pray because today there may be someone here who has never taken that step to ask you into their heart. God, that's why we're here, is to share Jesus with people, to tell our testimonies, to share our stories, so that people can get to know who you are. And if that is you, and you don't know who Jesus Christ is, I want you to know that he died on that cross so that you didn't have to. I want you to know that someone loved you so much that he gave his only son for you. And if you've never made that decision and you want to make that decision today, we want to pray with you. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask that you just slip up your hand really quick and, and put it back down so that we know who we are praying with. Not to call you down front, not to take you to a secret room or anything like that, but to just know who we are standing alongside with. It will be me that will just be opened up my eyes so that I can see that I know who I'm praying with. So on the count of three, if that is you, you've ne never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to take this opportunity right now to do so, I, I ask that you raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you, you've never decided to make that commitment to follow Jesus. Thank you. I ask that you all pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. And just remember what he's done for you. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for coming to this earth to live the life as a man, but a perfect life. To die up on that cross for me. To sacrifice your body and your life, your blood in everything for me so that I can have a relationship with the Father. I thank you for that. And right now I come to you and I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and Savior. And I ask that Holy Spirit, you will guide and direct me from this day forward. Jesus said that you would send someone that he would send someone, and it is you, Holy Spirit. And I ask that you go, and you go before every step that I take. And you will help me on this walk, on this race that we call life. 
I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're going to do. And I ask right now that you will just go before me. In Jesus' almighty name, and everyone said, amen.